turning a corner or turning a blind eye? This time on Poll Hub, new survey numbers from our poll with NPR and the PBS NewsHour find Americans are eager to get back to normal, whatever that is, but worried that doing so could be a big risk. We will dig in. Then we're looking at the continuing controversy involving a COVID-19 study by researchers at Stanford University in Palo Alto. It was blasted at the time for bad methodology and bad science. Now comes the chaser. It was partially funded by an entrepreneur who looks to have sought out like-minded researchers to do the work. What a mess. Lots to get to, so let's get to it. And hi, everybody. Welcome to Poll Hub. I'm J.D. Dapper, Director of Innovation here at the Marist Poll. And I'm Barbara Carvalho, Director of the Marist Poll. And I'm Lee Marengoff, Director of the Marist College Institute for Public Opinion. And we're all very remote, as we have been. Oh, you uh, can tell the truth. You're actually in your office. You're the only one in the whole building. Yes, I needed to pick up a few things. And I did. <laughs> I stopped off and time elapsed. And here, you know, grades have to be turned in. You know, even if we're online, uh, we still have to do grades and, you know, assess the, the students. How does it look? Have like the the the, the animals taken over the campus? <laughs> no, I mean, no, no, it's it's very well well, well quaffed as it always is. Uh, we're just you know the sad thing is I think this weekend was uh, originally graduation and the weather looks terrific. I mean yeah. that, that's a well bad... except on Saturday which oh. would have been graduation. So uh, I think there are a few clouds in the forecast, but um, nonetheless I think everybody would have really wanted to have been together this weekend. Absolutely. So let's get to the numbers. Uh, that's why people may, in fact, be listening in, unless they want a weather report, which we can provide. From Poughkeepsie, um, yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so here we go. So we did a national poll, uh, as Jay said, with, with our uh, NPR, PBS NewsHour media partners, um, and this dealt with uh, COVID-19. And we see that just as we feel we're starting to get, you know, dig out a little bit, 77% uh, of Americans are concerned that you know, right around the corner might be a second wave. Uh, so there's a sense here on the part of people in this poll that we're uh, far from out of the woods and that nearly two thirds say, uh, it's not likely that we're gonna get back to that sense of normal anytime soon, maybe six months or, or even more. Um, so there's, there's a sense here of, you know, we're still in this despite the opening up that's going on uh, in, you know, piece by piece in different parts of the country. Um, and I guess it's fair to say that there's a real disconnect here between public opinion and the direction of public policy, because people are very concerned on the healthcare side, uh, less so on the economic side. Yeah, I think what's really interesting, though, too, is, um, you know, and we've, we've spoken about this, uh, you know, throughout the, the, the COVID-19, um, you know, kind of lockdown and shelter at home, is that how politicized this has become, um, which is something very different than, you know, what we have seen um, in, in past kind of national emergencies. And in this poll as well, um, although a majority of Democrats, Republicans, and independents are very concerned, there's quite a gap. Almost, uh, almost all Democrats, 93% uh, are concerned about a second wave, but still a majority, 57% of Republicans feel the same way, and independents falling in the middle at 76%. But I just, I just find that very striking. Um, there's also a sense, I think, 
a greater sense among Republicans uh, that things are likely to get back to normal um, a little bit faster. Um, but I, I find it still, you know, kind of mind-boggling to have this uh, political polarization yeah. uh, during during this time. You know, one of the numbers that jumped out to me along those lines, uh, Barb, was on the, you know, how soon is this going to, you know, uh, return to normal? And Republicans, 20% of them said within the next month, only 1% of Democrats said that. So there's a huge gap, as you indicated, just in terms of how quickly this is going to happen. Uh, and, and just, again, partisanship all over the place. But, but how much does that have to do with what we know about what a self-identified Republican and a self-identified Democrat are now? The, the self-identified Democrat is more urban, uh, lives, uh, works in a more white-color environment, and high, higher education, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, they live in states that, you know, not entirely, but but majority Democratic states uh, in the Northeast and in the West have been hit harder. I just wonder uh, if if I if I'm a Republican living in you know Mississippi, which isn't you know necessarily doing great on the numbers, or living in Wyoming or Idaho, I, is it going to get back to normal? You know, in, in a month. I'm not so sure that whatever your partisanship is, you're not going to say yes if you're living in those types of places that tend to be more Republican. And we do still see um, geographic differences when we when we do look at these numbers. Uh, certainly, people who live in uh, large urban areas, big cities, um, even small cities, are much more uh, concerned than those who are living in more rural areas. And you make an absolutely good point, Jay, because um, we have seen that in a lot of um, in a lot of our polling that uh, where you live. Kind of defines you know what you think and what you see and certainly in this instance um it has you know it has been part of that uh overall experience and the intensity of the um you know of the infection and and the number of people that you come across that um have it have experienced it firsthand that but, but said still, there's probably, yeah go ahead. yeah still at the same time three and four americans are concerned about a second wave so there is a reality out there yeah. a shared mm -hmm. reality and i know there's a part a big partisan divide there too but still three and four americans are saying yeah a second wave it could come in the fall and, I, and i'm a little bit worried about that but i think that that makes that kind of gives permission for those of us who want permission to say let's take the summer off from all this yeah and and of course there's a uh, an election going on as well which uh, you know as if we don't have enough to uh, pull our hair out over but one of the questions that we asked in the survey had to do with mail-in ballots which has become a very hot item uh in our political side of the world uh and made more so because of the virus and the fact that you know maybe people would want to do more mail-in ballot than they have in the past in the past it's been around 25 percent uh the numbers might double that this time um and uh people though half say they would prefer to vote by mail uh 38 say they prefer to go to the polls i thought it was interesting in this number in this question that 42% of Republicans, not a majority, but 42% are saying they would want to do mail-in ballot. And if that is not the case, again, with national policy, where the message coming out of the White House, they're really going in the face of even what their base is about on this question. So I, I, I think it's kind of like a, just an interesting sidebar in all this, but one that's gonna have a huge political uh, uh, fallout as we get closer. 
So you've probably heard about um, a, well, you've probably heard about a lot of COVID-19 studies. There have been a lot of medical studies out there that we've heard a lot about over the last few months. But one in particular uh, out of Stanford University in California uh, uh, was released, uh, or a very preliminary version of it was released in uh, mid-April. And it purported to show that far more people in Santa Clara County, which is, is basically Silicon Valley, um, had been exposed to the coronavirus than was previously reported. And because the study seemed to suggest that there were so many more people who had had it, that by definition drove the mortality rate down. Because if you have way more people who had it, the same number of people who died from it, well, the mortality rate is down. And it drove it down to the point where it was about the same as the regular flu. That study was picked up and tweeted around and pushed around, especially in the conservative media, as proof positive uh, that, there, that this was just like the flu, that, that this was not something that we should be concerned about to the extent that we are. We should be shutting down the economy and all that. Within a couple of days, the scientists blew the study up. The methodology was terrible. There were really big questions about the test itself and the false positive rate, uh, all kinds of problems. But the, the twist on that is what has happened since. Dave Nealman, who founded JetBlue, but has been involved in JetBlue, I don't know, in a decade, I think he's founding a new airline, or was <laughs> this year, good luck with that. Turns out he, who is one of the big proponents of we shouldn't be shutting down the economy, helped fund this study and actually knew the researchers and sought out the researchers to do this research. What's the problem with that? Well, it's a case for my, I just have one quick reaction and Barb, you can jump in, but this is a case of follow the money. That's all I got to say right now. <laughs> well, well, hang on a second, guys. H hang on. Slow down, slow down, slow down. I don't think we'll ever really know um, the impact of um, the sponsorship on this. I mean, there's been conflicting stories, you know, one that it was kind of a, you know, a whole bunch of money that was given um, anonymously to Stanford University. But uh, clearly, uh, JetBlue's founder um, has said that, you know, he, he did speak with the researchers and there was probably more there there, even though I think he's quoted as saying there is no there okay, there. Okay. But it certainly it certainly doesn't it certainly doesn't um, look good uh, ethically, um, either from, uh, you know, particularly from the the researchers uh, perspective. And um, certainly I got on the face of Stanford University, whose, um, you know, pristine name of, you know, quality research um, you know has you know has been tainted with with um, with with what happened here but I I really think there's a huge issue here about how science has been uh, politicized and it kind of feeds off the same you know the, that that two world views and how we come to that yes we are living different experiences you know as we mentioned you know with with regard to what people think may happen with uh COVID in the future but i think we're also being given two very significantly different messages and one of the things, you know, way back in the day, you know, when, um, you know, I heard that Al Gore invented the internet, the whole idea behind the internet was originally so that academics could share research um, and they could collaborate, they could communicate over great distances, things that could happen every day that used to only happen at, you know, these uh, annual conferences 
or you know large meetings of, of academics and in a sense we're still kind of doing that um, I'm not I'm you know I'm not defending um, what uh, uh, John Yanidis uh, did here um, with the Stanford study as the main researcher but part of the issue is that researchers everywhere um, it's called a preprint and they release their information. Um, they're not peer reviewed, um, and uh, meaning that other, other scientists um, beyond their, their own team has reviewed the methods um, of, of the research. So these, um, these documents and these papers are not peer reviewed. The idea behind it was that so that they could get impact, input before they tried to publish this research. But in today's age, uh, anything that's out on the internet is out publicly, and it's not about just a scientific discussion. It's about a political discussion, and it's about. Uh, but, but, but they did themselves no favors by yeah. doing media, by yeah. uh, responding oh, to media questions right out of the gate. And their first response wasn't, um, I don't think you should be publicizing the study because it hasn't been peer reviewed. So slow down people. It was look what we found. So yeah. the media has more than a share yeah. of blame on this. And, and oh, this no is question. a this is an all sides thing. I mean, you watch uh, media that would not be considered conservative media, and they're touting studies or talking about studies without really getting in many cases, uh, to the point of, of talking about how this study would never have seen the light of day yet in a different world. It needs to be peer reviewed. That's going to take time. Yeah. Well, th look, there's no, you know, there aren't stronger advocates of scientific research and numbers uh, trying to provide some accurate direction than the three of us. Uh, and certainly, you know, we would never, for example, take any money from a political campaign to do research or uh, from a political party to do research. Nor um, would we release numbers before we had gone through right. them. Yes. Right. So, so, I mean. <laughs> and so once you start going down that slippery slope, the science becomes a riskier enterprise uh, and becomes more politicized. And I think, so that was one of my reactions to this. I mean, it's really, you know, well, a slippery hang on, slope. Though, but health, look, health science is really messy. And yes. it's messy because um, unlike doing surveys, it's really hard to get very large sample sizes, to get representative sample sizes. It's also expensive. So it's also, it's really tough to uh, be able to get these studies funded without having a whole slew of people uh, contributing uh, to this. So um, it's not an uncommon thing. In fact, a lot of and most scientific um, uh, health research um, is financed in some way. I think many of us have seen that uh, in the pharmaceutical area yeah. uh, because the drug companies have put a lot of dollars um, into doing research um, on the efficacy of, of drugs. Um, and so that is something that has changed, you know, in the, in the probably last three or four decades that was very different than when we looked at other um, uh, national catastrophes from illnesses. Lee, I know you're fond of bringing up, um, you know, and comparing this to, um, you know, polio or other um, epidemics that, that we've had. But it's very different because of who is now funding the science um, that should be that should then be guiding policy? Yeah, and, and here's you know so there, there and therein lies the slippery slope uh, because it had such a political payoff 
for for one position and it almost seemed from from what we've read that that was a, a preordained conclusion in terms of how the methodology was pursued but i think there's one other thing and even from a accept this as it is on face value there's a whole missing component of this sure we might have more people who are uh you know have been exposed and, and who've, you know would have tested and therefore positive and therefore it drove the numbers down had we had more tests but there's also a lot of people who unfortunately and tragically have passed away who are not in the score of those who did it from the virus uh, was the cause. So there's two sides of this in terms of the numbers. And on the one hand, the ratio would change dramatically. On the other hand, the ratio would change very dramatically in the other direction uh, if we included a lot of people who may in fact have tested positive had those tests been made after they passed I away. I think my main takeaway from this is that it just further, it's another kind of you know, brick in the wall or taking out a brick in the wall of people's um, understanding uh, of science and yeah, understanding that science is, you know, reality-based. It's not a myth. It's not a like religion of science. And I think that it's in the same way that the media has, has uh, brick by brick destroyed its credibility. I think that science, uh, that some aspects of science, this is the way that the same thing happens to science. And we have to be so careful well, now because there's so much being funded uh, in the research into developing a treatment, developing a vaccine, and whether that money is in any way being distributed in a, in a political way uh, is troublesome. There's well, a lot of money flying on. around I, right I think now. it's really important also, though, to not throw the baby out with the bath. Um, we need science. Um, there are a lot of, should I put in air quotes, creative ways of paying for science. Um, it doesn't always mean um, that we, that researchers go down that slippery slope. Um, and so I think there's a combination of factors that happened in this particular instance. Um, it was probably a combination of bad science and also the mobilization of um, people who are interested in those conclusions using social media and tweeting this out to their followers so that it then ended up getting on also the more traditional media and all of the cable shows. So there's a combination of issues uh, that, are, that are problematic here. What I think is totally ironic is that the lead researcher of this um, John Yanidis, um actually wrote, wrote like this, this seminal work on, 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 on trying to understand research findings and, and giving us all guidelines on how to determine whether research findings are false. Um, he actually, in 2005, wrote the, wrote the article, Why Most Published Research Findings Are False, and talked about all of these issues, the fact that you have small sample sizes, you don't have designs that are reviewed, um, you have interests paying for this. So he is, you know, fully aware of all of this. He's sort of, you know, been a bit of a, a gadfly. I don't know if, you know, what his intent was, um, you know, or what the researcher's intent was. Uh, this was certainly got a lot of attention because of the fact there was a whistleblower at Stanford University that was part of the team that just yeah. felt that everything here was not on the up and up. And, so buyer beware, I guess, is what we're saying. Yeah. And so here you are, Barb. You told us, Jay and me, in the, in the, in the beginning, you know, slow down, slow down, slow down. And but when it comes to science and research, 
uh, and you'll like this example. Boy, do you get up on your horse and gallop away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like horses too. <laughs> no doubt, no doubt about it. But science is messy and science is tough. And um, we need to be, we need to really be rigorous and cautious, and uh, particularly when it has such significant implications as life and death. And we can all agree here that we like science because that's yeah. what we do for a living. So uh, we also do one other thing for a living, Poll Hub. And that's going to do it for this edition of Poll Hub. Uh, Poll Hub is a production of the Marist Poll at Marist College in Poughkeepsie, New York. Mary Griffith is our executive producer. Casey Schaff is our ever vigilant editor trying to stitch all this together. Yeah, and I would like to thank the Roper Center, as we always do at this point, for the archives up there at Cornell University, who keep a lot of information available just so that researchers can do exactly what Barbara was talking about earlier. We can compare notes, we can see other findings, we can see methodology, and we can you know, sort of share it as a community of researchers. A good thing. Yeah, and if you have questions or comments, and or if you see some like really weird studies that don't seem to add up, um, they probably <laughs> don't. Favorite. But you can, but you can ask us about it, and you know we can go out there and we'll uh, we'll do the research and find out whether it's real or not. So you know how to find us. Just go to your social media accounts: Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. You know, however you like to communicate. Uh, please uh, let us know and let us help you. Uh, kind of sift through the mess. And of course, if you want to learn about polling, go to the Marist Poll Academy. It's free, it's sitting there, and it can actually answer a, a, lot, of, a lot of the questions and give you the questions uh, to ask. Yep. Uh, as always, we want to say, uh, please be safe. Um, and as uh, many states reopen, uh, be cautious, uh, but uh, hopefully we'll all be getting back to work soon.